Hey guys, this is the Create Faith Podcast, Episode 3, Part 1, hosted by me, Sharice Luter, and featuring today's guest, Miss Deidre Greathouse, a singer, songwriter, producer, musician, worship leader, vocalist, everything you can think of. She does it, and she's amazing at it, and we spoke for about two hours, so that's why this is only Part 1. Part two will be up um, in two days on Thursday, but um, hope you enjoy the show. Okay, cool. If you're okay, I'm okay. I'm fine if you're fine. I okay. come from a different area. When we're recording vocals, it needs to be super quiet. Okay. All right, I'm good. But that's just my frame of mind. That's my default. I is, got you. Oh wait, wait, wait. We I can got hear the you. air. We will turn the AC unit off. Mm-hmm. I feel exactly. like a home AC. It's yeah, fine. yeah. <laughs> but um, and we're in your home, and that makes it. I just, I don't. I'd want people to, you know, we're in Pedro's home. Yes, we're here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, first of all, I want to thank you so much. Yay. For even saying yes or listening to me. I mean, I've been kind of a little bit talking to you about the podcast for a while. Yeah, you have. So At I, least a year. Yeah, yeah. It's At been least. three years of developing it's been three years. this. I totally get it. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah, three years of, and patience along the way because mm. I'm thinking, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. If I don't, if I don't get it... it one year goes by, God, I'm running late. I'm going to miss out. Everybody else is doing stuff. And another Every, year went by. And I'm oh, like, wait, 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 you know. I know. It's and, frustrating. And then the second I said, uh, <laughs> okay, is this the year? And I got a, a yes. And I was like, all right. And it felt like it was a freight train. Just so everything went into fast forward. That's what happened with my record. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. Because when I, the Smashburger incident, I don't know if we're talking about that, <laughs> yeah. but this whole Smashburger incident yeah. happened, that was almost four years ago. Really? It doesn't seem like that was that long ago. I know. Do you mind sharing the... No, not at all. Okay, go for it. Because that, pro- that process is important mm-hmm. for people to know, because I think s- social media makes it really difficult to keep a proper perspective yeah. on how long it really has taken people to achieve the things they're achieving. It's never overnight. And when that whole Smashburger incident happened to me, that's almost four years ago, but it wasn't until last year that it felt like a train just took off. Mm-hmm. And the prior years, I kept trying, and it just didn't feel right. We just couldn't get things going. Setback after setback, and frust- I was just frustrated. And every January would roll around at the beginning of the year where you're making the big resolution and declaration. You know, (laughs) the vision for the whole year and we're going to do this and this is, I'm going to accomplish this this year. And man, by the December of that year, I was like, I I missed it. Mm -hmm. What happened? Mm -hmm. It didn't come to pass. But I think that um, for creatives, especially when we have all these ideas and things that we want to do, we want to create. I think we forget that we are actually co-creators. Yes. I I actually have that word written down as something I wanted to ask you about. <laughs> See? <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I actually have that. How, how do you do that when it's it, it, it feels like you're self-generating? Yeah. But then also leaving space for God to to be there 
I mean, even like, you know, song by song for you, yeah. I'm a writer, so it's word by word for me, but, right. you know, I think, oh, this would be really great, this would be great, and God's like, yeah, that's great for that, mm-hmm. but then that's going to be used five years from now. Exactly. And then, you know, so how, how? Well, <laughs> it's frustrating because we are co-creators with an eternal creator, mm-hmm. which means he's operating in, a, in, in an entirely timeless Mm-hmm. And we are in a dispensation in, in the earth and we're governed by time. So the Bible says that, you know, a thousand years is as a day to God. So when you're talking about getting things done on your timeline, mm-hmm. it's almost like you're not speaking the exact, exactly the same language that God is when it comes to timeliness. Yeah. Because he operates outside of the time that we're accustomed to. So... Having that understanding, the first thing as a co-creator is you have to defer to the greater creator. Now, there are some people who believe that they're equal to God. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're made in his image and his likeness. We are not God. We are God's small g, lowercase g, mm-hmm. meaning that we are we have the same abilities to create and to govern and to have dominion over the areas that we have influence in but god is god right (laughs) he is supreme none of us are on his level okay he is the creator of all creation so i'm deferring all of my plans and all of the ideas i think come from him i'm constantly in a state of submitting them to him Mm -hmm. there's scriptures that talk about that you know that if you um, submit all your ways to the Lord, you know, and, and he'll he'll direct you. Oh, actually, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. We're right. going to talk about that. Lean not to your own understanding, i.e., don't lean to your own understanding in terms of when this is going to happen, how it's going to happen, right? So lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Mm-hmm. Direct your path in terms of who's supposed to be involved, how you're going to get the equipment you need, how the provision's going to come, all of those things. That's frustrating. Yeah. But you do have to acknowledge God and keep him first in all of it because his word says that when we do that, he promises that, he would grant us the success in that thing that mm-hmm. he's calling us to do. So, number one, acknowledge that God's the, great, the greater creator. Number two, we are only co-creating with him. And number three, we're submitting every thought, every idea, and every desire to his timing mm-hmm. and into his way. That's the challenge. I'm so glad you said that it's frustrating. It is, honestly. <laughs> sometimes you can you you'll feel the frustration and it makes you feel like you're being a bad Christian almost. Like yeah. Like like everybody else gets it. Everybody else no one else doubts. No one else, you know, everybody else is is in a space of a hundred percent I'm walking and fa- walking yeah. on the water, you know. Yeah. And you're sitting there like mad. <laughs> like uh especially <laughs> when you're in the space of weight and you're seeing everybody else getting catapulted and you're yeah. just still at the starting line, and and it's okay to be yeah. in that space. Even God's like, it's cool. It's okay. It's it's alright. It really is because what you don't want to do is short circuit your process, right? Because there are things that we gain along the way mm-hmm. that we need in order to sustain us when we finally reach the pinnacle of whatever that place of destiny is. 
So it's almost like um, when you look on social media, which I think is great. I love social media. I wish I was even more social media savvy mm-hmm. and wish I wanted to be out all the time. Like I really, my natural personality, I just want to hide. So it's uncomfortable <laughs> right. to just put my life out there like that. But I am an open book. Right. Like I don't, I'm just me. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like I'm pretending all the things you see me post. That's my life. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not really putting on. And I even post some of the struggles, my health struggles, you know, the things I'm dealing with even most recently with my blood test results coming back wacky and the doctors saying, okay, we'll see you in a, you know, next month. I'm going, what the heck? Mm-hmm. Next month? I'm suffering now, you know? Yeah. I post all of it. But one of the things that makes it difficult on social media is when you just see all the best of what yeah. everyone else is Perfectly doing. Perfectly curated. Perfectly filtered. I mean, the mm-hmm. filters are on fleek. <laughs> and I eventually was trying to figure out why this particular actress's pictures just looked flawless all the time. And I discovered she wasn't even using the iPhone. Like, all the pictures you see are generated from, like, a DSLR. Yeah. Like, high-end camera. Yeah. That's what she's using for the shots. And then they're using all these apps mm-hmm. to, you know, airbrush and fix things up and so it's not totally reality but a lot of it is true they are accomplishing these things but what you don't see is the process yeah the nice that they doubted the people that counted them out you know and I feel like there's a shift I feel like there's an awareness there's my son screaming upstairs (laughs) it's so fun but um there's an awareness that people are wanting to know the real story, mm-hmm. you know, behind the music, behind the climb, like what happened along the way. I love hearing those stories. Yeah, me right? too. I want to know that you doubted yourself because mm-hmm. I have. I, As a matter of fact, doing this record, all of me, I didn't even think I was capable of doing it. I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think there was anything special enough about me to even merit doing a project. I only saw myself as a person on a team. You know, when God gave me the idea for anointed, that's a group, Mm -hmm. right? So I come from singing in a family group to choirs, right? Right. And then I started another group from that choir. And then I come here to lead worship amongst a group Mm -hmm. of worship leaders now that group has exponentially expanded so i'm just one person in a group yeah so when god began to show me he wanted me to step out for two years i stayed in the zone of i have no idea why you even want me to do this i just feel completely inadequate i don't i don't see how i can do this interesting to hear (laughs) That is amazing. I mean, I mean, I'm sure somebody else would say the same thing to me about whatever you know talents I exhibit. But the yeah. fact that y- you would even you would even question. I mean, I feel like we as you know <laughs> people who you've led in worship were like, yeah. "Where? Here's my money, you know, <laughs> right? You know, just tell, tell me, me where to go to download it." It was it wasn't even a question. We were just waiting. Yeah. So to hear you say that there was that that doubt that. It, it almost helps because you end up being the light at somebody's at the end of the mm-hmm. tunnel. Because if, if 
I'm in the midst of doubt right now. Yeah. And then Deidre felt that way. I did. And overcame it. But then. I did it. But I yeah. but I finished. Yeah. It's that journey before you finish. That's mm-hmm. when you face all the doubt. And I'm more than doubted. I, I almost got into an argument with God over it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, one of those Moses, but look, I stutter. And I, right. this, just... I gave the whole long list, but I'm not a riffing runner like the Clark sisters. And I, I, you know, I'm older. I'm not 21. Um, I, I just gave all the excuses. There's, you know, I don't know if I have anything significant to say. Mm-hmm. I said, um, and also I said, everybody's doing music. There's not even a space to be that special anymore. It's yeah. like, it's, an abundance of music it I believe it's almost like oversaturation very much it's so. so much to choose from I was like how would you don't I say God you don't even need another record that's what I said yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> exactly like you you can't possibly need another one it's so many yeah but what God said it's not that I need a record it's that I have need of you oh, wow. the record is just a tool the thing that makes you unique is your story, your experiences, what you've overcome, what you've dealt with, the messages that God speaks to you to help you to achieve the dreams that he put inside of you. That's what makes you unique. Mm-hmm. And that's what God is calling for. Now, for me, I have a musical gifting. I have a speaking I was just speaking last night mm-hmm. to uh, the women's ministry at Lakewood. So it's called Better Together. Yeah. So I spoke last night and... So I have a speaking, which I already fought God on speaking, but I went ahead and gave him a yes. I was like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay, yes. Shonda Rhimes, I think. The year of yes. She did the year of yes. Yeah, yeah. And so I said, okay, I'm going to start saying yes to the things that I would normally say no to. Mm -hmm. So whenever I said, whenever Pastor Victoria asked me to speak, I'll say yes. And then when the day before, my stomach is in knots. I'm like, why did I say yes? Yeah. <laughs> but one time the Lord told me, don't take back your yes. So I hear that every time I'm tempted to go back. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't because he said, don't take it back. So I speak, I'll sing, I'll write, a little bit of producing, some acting, all those things. Writing is a gift. It's a natural gift for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a published author yet, but... People always ask me, when are you writing a book? You know? Yeah. So I have a gift for that. I just got to the point where I said, well, God, whatever gift I have, I need to use it. Because I don't want to be like the servant, you know, in the five talent story right. where he just buried the one talent he had. And, you know, you took it away from him and gave it to the guy who had five and doubled it. That's the motivation mm-hmm. for doing it anyway. Overcoming the fear. Yeah. Overcoming the doubt, overcoming the fear of failure. Mm, mine's been the fear <laughs> of success. And my, the next thing I was going to say is <laughs> overcoming what was greater to me yeah. was the fear of success. Yeah. Makes no sense to people. Yeah. But here's what happens when you're successful. People suddenly that were rooting for you turn on you. Because yeah. once you become more successful than them, yeah. then they become your haters. It is the craziest phenomenon. And secondly... It can really change your life. For me, I was like, oh, I've been in a routine here with my kids. 
what if that requires me to travel more and to, are they going to be okay? Yeah. And my husband, the third reason, just about every artist that was married, their marriages ended up in divorce. Man, I don't want to be an, a recording artist mm-hmm. and end up losing my family behind it. I didn't want that mainly because I grew up and my parents were divorced. Mm-hmm. And that really affected me. But God helped me overcome it, but there was some residual effects from it. Just being honest. Yeah. Abandonment and rejection mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. That's I, come the, from, I come from a family of divorce, so. I'm, okay. Yeah. So I'm, you get it, right? I understand it, yeah. And um, not uh, not wanting to subject my children to the things that I'm still working to get. I, I didn't want them to join me in that hole. Yeah. Uh, that I, you know, I didn't want to look over and see them sitting over there, and I'm like, wow, now <laughs> it took thirty some odd years for me to get to this place, and I don't want that I know. for them. And and not that my kids are the only reason why I want my marriage to, <laughs> right? To, you know, because I wanted my marriage to last before they even were here. <laughs> but that that's a motivation. That's definitely a big, a big motivation for me. Fear of success was. Um, I'll get found out eventually that yeah. I, I, I'm not all that I'm saying I am. I'm not, yeah. I, won't, I won't be able to um, live up to the things that even I'm saying I can do. Yeah. And eventually they'll be like, oh, well, yeah, we made a mistake. I call that, you know? I call <clears throat> that the Wizard of Oz moment. When they discover who the great and powerful artist right. is. Like, you know, <laughs> the man behind the curtain. <laughs> right. And it's specifically in the Wiz. It was Richard Pryor, yeah, you know, yeah. just back there, you know, just doing all the stuff, right, right, pushing the buttons, and turning the, button, the wheels, turning and, the wheels, and then, and then, yeah, yeah, you know, and then they just discover, oh my gosh, it was just you, like all this big persona out mm-hmm. here, you know, but the truth is, I think that, I mean, I just didn't want my kids to have to have therapy for the rest of their lives because of choices mm-hmm. that I made. Mm-hmm. And then I wondered, wait a minute, they don't, they don't struggle at all with that stuff. So am I, I mean, then I became concerned that they wouldn't have enough things to overcome. Oh, I never thought about that. Almost like, right? um, like, you know, you see the success yeah. stories of people who have to overcome much. They become greater successes because they get to exercise that muscle right. of being determined and define the odds, you know. So when your kids don't have many odds, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, are they learning to, to overcome anything? Yeah, and then are they building their faith because they don't have anything yeah. to overcome? because that's how we got to yeah. know more about God, right? Yeah. is in those tough times, when, you know, for me, in my prayer room upstairs, when I told God I didn't want to, I was scared to do this record because I didn't, I didn't know what people were going to say. I didn't know if Lakewood was going to fire me. I mean, I don't know. It's just for whatever reason, yeah. all kinds of stuff. You don't know what the outcome is going to be when you obey God. And I just decided to say, God, I'm, I'm going to give you a yes on this. But you got to help me. Because emotionally, I was a wreck. When I said, okay, that began the process of, of having to go back in my childhood and reopen some wounds so that I could get them healed mm-hmm. for real this time. Like, and I knew it was an external, I knew it was an internal limiting belief that 
was hindering me. And no kidding you, one day in prayer, I said, God, where's this insecurity coming from? Yeah. Why is it that I don't feel like I'm good enough? And oh yeah, almost like pressing the rewind button, I go all the way back in time to an incident where I had to have been maybe 10, 11 years old, maybe. And this guy in our hometown had a music school slash studio said that he did some work to help Michael Jackson get started when he was little and he went you know he wanted to my mom said he wanted to meet with us well really he didn't want to meet with us he's we got there and he said I only want your brother I don't want you as a kid how do you process that Hmm. that's like the bone getting broken you don't know what to do with it so you just go on with life and I went on with my life with with a broken bone in my in my soul essentially so here i am having gone on and this thing has healed improperly mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. fast forward years later now god's asking me to do a record but i'm going whoa 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 something's off you know what that incident broke me and i never healed properly from mm-hmm. it so we had to go all the way back there to identify it and for god to correct the lie that I heard he never said you're not good he just said I'm only interested in your brother but what I heard was you're not as good as your brother yeah you're not as good as other people you have nothing to offer that's what I heard yeah so those are the things I had to overcome to do this record Okay, now I'm thinking. Now you got me. Oh, right, right, okay. Okay. Now you got I got me. you going back. Yeah, I think um, I was always told that um, as a young as a young child, I spoke as though I was coming from a place of of a certainty that mm. most of the adults around me weren't comfortable with. I think my parents were pretty cool with it because okay. they knew me as they knew me. You know, sure. But um, I tend to be very quiet. But when I speak, people kind of go. Where'd that come from, you know? Yeah. And I remember a woman... I had that same experience when really? I met you. Yeah. Because <laughs> you come off so unassuming. Like, you're just kind of chilling. Yeah. You're just cool. <laughs> you're just calm. You're just blending into the atmosphere until you get into your zone, which yeah. is communicating. Yeah. And it's like you become... Wonder Woman. But um, I don't know how we got way off in that. It's okay. But, yeah, um, I, I had... Uh, a woman tell me, you know, you're going to offend people when you do things like that. And um, when when I and I was just I was just being myself in sure. my mind. I was being myself, mm-hmm. but I said something, and she said she went as far as to say, you know, and I was I wasn't really really young. I was you know maybe junior high high school somewhere mm-hmm. in there, and she said, you know, a man isn't even going to want you if you're if you're you know, talkative like that. So even my insecurity was attached to my relationship. You know, well, I can't do all of this stuff because then Keith is going to leave me. So says that woman when I was 13 or 14 or 15. I don't even remember. Yeah. Or um, friends will go or people will not want to deal with me, you know, that kind of thing. But um, it was all wrapped around my speaking. Me speaking was a dangerous thing. That would ruin my life in some way. That's how I heard that. Now let's <clears throat> let's 
peel some layers off of that. Because what you just said is really loaded. And I think it's something that kids that display or give hints concerning their gifting early in life have to deal with. And that is, for some reason, your being who you are gets judged and put in this category as if something's wrong with you because you're good at what you do at such a young age. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of pressure for kids. But I also, around the age of 11, 12, was told that no man would want me by my aunt. Isn't that great? Because of the way I looked, right? Hmm. So there we go with the insecure. Not only do I have some guy basically creating a scenario where I began to believe that I wasn't that good of a singer and that I had nothing to offer, but I also have a scenario where the atmosphere is being created for me to be insecure about the way I looked. Mm-hmm. That was reinforced many times over as I grew up from different people. You know, the guy at the skating rink that walks up to me and says, you're so unattractive and walks away. Leaves me standing. Oh, yeah. I know. I have no idea who he is. I wonder if he knows who I am now. (laughs) And I wonder if he has my record. (laughs) I wonder if he saw me at the Grammy. I was just curious to know if he saw me at the Double Wars. I don't even know where he is. I bet you he knows exactly what I'm doing to this day, probably. With social media, it's not hard to find yeah, out where not, people it's are. It's not difficult at all. But anyways, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> but um, just when you're that age and you're young, it's almost like you're made to feel like being you. And although they tell you you should be excellent, right? Because mm-hmm. we get those messages. Too. It's mm-hmm. conflicting, right? Right. They tell you, do your best. Yeah. Be excellent. Yeah. You know. God does not make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. You know, because so, but he made a mistake in me because you just told me. You just me told me. was a mis- I'm, I need I, to be not this. Let me tell you what, <laughs> I, I may tell you what happened to you. Like, in that incident, people listening, I'm sure, can pinpoint a moment when they were growing up and someone said, and I know they, they've yeah. had this common experience. What happens is. Your natural gifting makes other people feel insecure because I think sometimes it reminds them that they aren't really authentically being all being who they are supposed to be. So when you see someone being authentically gifted and doing what they're called to do, it rings an alarm in your soul like, ah, so what are you doing? So yeah. rather than say, oh. I admire you and I see that you're being all that God created you to be. And that's got me thinking, man, I should be doing the same with my life. Instead of going there, they'd rather suppress that because that takes a lot of effort. Yeah. And self-analysis and self-awareness. Yeah. So instead of going there, they just attack you. It's the easier thing. Yeah. Do you think it's it's even more uh, amplified when it's a child? Yes. Just being, because that's all children do. It's amazing. I mean, I have a five-year-old and uh, an almost one-year-old. Yeah. And I see them doing and saying and being, I mean, even the one-year-old, I can see little sparks of certain things, what makes her stop and focus, you know? Oh, yeah. And, And it seems like children, up until a certain point, are just naturally just, oh, that's what I want to do. Absolutely. 
And I'm just going to go do that. And then Mm -hmm. it's beaten out of them. Absolutely. In our society, our socialization process includes beginning to throw a wet blanket Mm -hmm. over your natural tendency to evolve into who you were created to be. Yeah. We do it by these messages that we send verbally, i.e., you know, no man's going to want to marry you when mm-hmm. you're talking like that or being like that. Yeah. And then non-verbally as well. Kids are not stupid. Not at all. You can look at them a certain way and they know exactly what that means. We all do. So it's the verbal cues, but it's also the non-verbal cues that we get. Yeah. The looks. The rolling of the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. The intonation uh-huh because somebody can even compliment you uh-huh but their tone oh yes reveals the truth of the intention of that statement yes. right and and even um you're like why do i feel like i just got insulted I <laughs> she said nice dress but but <laughs> why do i feel like she said i hate you right. because that's exactly what she was communicating yeah. and even the um i will say so for someone who is in the in a creative field, if I'm not a lawyer, a doctor, um, a, a business person in the classic sense, or, or yes. in one of those real jobs, quote unquote, real, the real jobs, it's, it's like already an uphill battle. Yeah. Because if, if, if I, I, I do believe if I had taken this gift and put it into becoming a lawyer, which I thought that's what I wanted to be because that was the accepted version. I was, of, I was almost going to do that as yeah. well because I was managing a law firm while I was in college. I didn't know that. I know, right? <laughs> I was managing yeah. a law firm while I was in college and I ended up doing all the paralegal work and I became the office manager and I just started doing all the yeah. documents for mm-hmm. all of the attorneys and when I graduated I didn't know what to do next so I was going to take the LSAT and go to law school yep that's what I was gonna then do. I got a record deal and my life went yeah well clearly in the creative direction uh Hurricane <laughs> Katrina happened and oh! my life went in a completely <laughs> different direction now okay so. <laughs> hurricane let's just take that let's appeal that a little bit <laughs> Hurricane Katrina one of the most devastating events we've seen on American soil, right? Mm-hmm. But yet, I believe that all things work together for our good. Oh, yes, definitely. I believe that. I believe that if you allow it to work for your good, I feel like that was just one way of God kind of redirecting your path. Oh, yeah. I know so many people who say, I don't want to say it this way, but I'm thankful. Mm-hmm. That it happened, you know. Yeah. Even with my my mom, my mom was on a kidney transplant list. Mm. She had been on dialysis. I think it was like three days a week or something like that. And wow. they said it was going to be forever. And when we moved here, she got a new doctor, and the doctor said, "Yeah, we're just going to change up your medita- medication, and you don't have to do dialysis anymore." And just that like was, that. That was in within the month of us being here. Really, just like that. She was about to get a new kidney. We were. I mean, wait a minute. We were thinking about testing family members to see if there was a wow. match. I mean, we it was we were getting real deep into it. This yeah. doctor says, switch up your medication. But it was a doctor here in Houston. Absolutely. One of the leading 
uh, medical centers in, in the world. People travel here. And I bet you guys and, were praying for, for a resolution. Yes. We, praying or, for a way for it to be resolved so that she would be well again. Yes. And so God answered. We thought the transplant <laughs> was going to be the answer. You thought the transplant was the answer, but Hurricane Katrina actually was the answer. Because that's the way that you got rerouted to another city mm-hmm. to finally connect with a physician yep. that had a different perception about how her treatment should go. Mm-hmm. A different set of knowledge, experience, yep. perhaps. Environment yep. makes all the difference. So... I mean, it worked out. Yeah. So that hurricane, I can say it shifted my mom's trajectory. It, I can see Man. that. It shifted my trajectory. I was Your children's trajectory. I mean, trajectory. my children's trajectory. The Absolutely. schools they're going to go to, the people they're going to meet. For sure. You know, that kind of thing. And, and Keith's, my husband's uh, trajectory as well. It's amazing how that little word, that's, those few sentences that were spoken mm. when I was... Well, that was 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. It took a hurricane <laughs> to undo, to start the process of, of undoing that. Because it really woke me up, you know. Yeah. Because, I mean, I know people died. I know people who, who yeah. died. And and I was like, not going to be me. I'm not going to mm. wake up one morning and then that's it. That was it. And I that was my first, that was my only try. Yeah. You only get one life. Yeah. That This is it. And I'm like, but what, so what am I going to do? This is my chance to start again. And no one here, we don't know anybody other than the, the cluster of little family members that came sure. here. And no one knows me. I'm not walking into a place where, with uh, people with preconceived notions of me or or of who I've been and you yeah. know and who I should be mm-hmm. and now's a chance and so let me just listen to God and see what he says wow and 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 ta-da! Here <laughs> you know? and here we are and here we are so for me I'm so happy to be having this dialogue with you in this space because it's something that I really really have always wanted to do in terms of just you know, just speak, you mm-hmm. know, talk, have a conversation. Honestly, I listen to talk radio more than Me too. <laughs> I listen to music on the radio. Yeah, I'm addicted to podcasts. I, I really I love have them. a problem. I have, I think, <laughs> you know. You do have an issue. <laughs> but I it's, love it's, it. I love it. So I'm having a blast. We're not. I don't even know if we're talking about what we're. I know. I'm like. Let me. I have a few notes, but I really just. Yeah. And every other one. We started off with let it co-creating. Yeah, co-creating. Okay, so that's one thing I wanted. Mm -hmm. You talked about. I don't even know when this was. It was a very random conversation we had. We were over by your house one night. You were talking about consecration. Yeah. And um consecrating each performance mm-hmm. each time you lead worship and and I know you you went through a process of consecration when it came to your album oh yeah so how 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 do you I feel like every time I'm just like how <laughs> how do you do that what does that look like yeah okay especially for the person who doesn't think that like because because those who sing mm-hmm. especially in church it's you could almost see how to connect those dots but yeah. someone who is a painter, right, or someone who's right, or who isn't working in the church space at yeah. all, how how do you how do you go through that process of consecration, or how did you do it? And maybe yeah, they can kind of glean. Well, I that. think it's okay. Let me 
let me start by saying this. I, I recently, Mark and I, my husband, Mark, mm-hmm. who I've been married to for a long time. <laughs> he's really cool to talk to, and he's great to be married to because randomly I'll have thoughts. I'm like, you know what? I was just thinking, does it even matter? If you go through the process of consecrating yourself and being anointed, now I'm going to just be in the space of, you know, from a singer's standpoint. Right, of course, yeah. Because I'm like, there are people, they just, they just sing. They just get up and sing. Mm-hmm. I can do that too, right? And they're fine, and people seem to be okay with it, you know? It's like, hey, you just people get up clap. And sing. People, yeah. people are like, all right, yeah, that's nice. But I was raised in a different environment. Mm-hmm. See, where I come from, everybody could sing. And everyone could sing exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. It's not like, I mean, past the mic in the congregation of the church where I grew up. And just singers that I thought were just so much better than me. Mm-hmm. I still do. The mm-hmm. people I sang with back home, like, oh my gosh. My friend Jackie, beast. Beast <laughs> mode. She's amazing to me. To this very day. So in that environment with such talent, the only thing that stood out was a singer or a musician that had that factor that was generated from a consecrated life. Hmm. That extra goosebump mm-hmm. experience that made them stand out, that made them different from the skillful singers next to them. So every message I got growing up from all our pastors was, it's not enough just to be gifted. You want God's hand on your gifts. Yeah. You want his super on top of your natural to make it a supernatural experience for the people partaking in your gifts. So Mm -hmm. I have the advantage of where I come from. Right. So that's what shaped my belief system about it. Now, fast forward, I grew up and, I get in the industry and I see people like, what? I don't consecrate nothing. I just, <laughs> I sleep around. I, you know, I get high. I do whatever. And then I just get up and sing. <laughs> it's yeah. like, hey, no big deal. No judgment. I mean, we all, like I said, I just came from a different place. Right. That's what has affected me. Now, this is where I started to ponder if that, consecration process was even necessary anymore because mm-hmm. I just felt like the fish out of water I just felt like nobody else is doing it mm-hmm. so I guess it's not necessary anymore but that's just not true when I get quiet and when I go up to pray and like even for yesterday oh gosh I started I, I spoke and then I ran and started leading worship as soon as I opened up my mouth, for the first few lines, I just felt the whole room shift around me. Mm-hmm. When the atmosphere shifts and the people are experiencing something that's otherworldly. Right. With, And I all I'm doing is just opening up my mouth. Man, that's what I live for. And that's why I love the sacred space of consecration. Now, this is what it is. It's when you take your gift, your gift of painting, your gift of writing, your gift of singing, your gift of, you know, negotiating, your gift Mm -hmm. of, you know, 
whatever your gifting is and whatever your skill is, you take that and you present it in prayer to God and say, look, you gave me these gifts. I want to use them for the good of mankind and the good of the world. I need you to essentially bless it, like blow on it, make it effective in a way that it couldn't be without you. Mm -hmm. And you set yourself apart, which means practically speaking, there may be some things that you could use your gift for that you say no to because you're trying to keep your gift in alignment with what you feel spiritually you're called to use it for. Now, that doesn't mean you just use it for, you know, in a church setting. Right. It just means you've said, hey, these are the gifts and talents I've got. God, I need you to bless it. I need you to 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 make it so that whenever I use these gifts that people can sense there's a greater force behind these gifts than me. That's what it feels like to have a life that's set apart and and you consecrate your creativity. I saw it when I was working on the record, when I got in the studio with with Aaron Lindsay. Mm -hmm. For those of you who do not know, Aaron Lindsay is a... If you don't know Aaron Lindsay, what are you doing with your life? (laughs) He is a multi-Grammy award winning... Yeah. Dot, 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 dot. Yeah. Producer. But we just happened to grow up together, you know, Mm -hmm. since we were kids in Ohio. So he was also in that same environment of consecration and consecrating your gift, right? Mm -hmm. So fast forward, here we are working on my record. And for the song, All of Me, which is the title cut, which I love. Links in the bios and the in the Woo! show notes and everything for all dangerous stuff. I will make sure you have oh. links to everything, including the single. And um, I and I would have been so afraid to say that I liked my own song yeah. <laughs> a long time ago, but now, but, but the project feels so much bigger than just me. Mm-hmm. So when I hear it. I'm hearing it like somebody else who had nothing to do with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And All of Me is one of those songs that I had the vamp at the end, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I had a, a verse and chorus, but it felt like a completely different song. Yeah. And so Aaron flew here and he's like, Dee Dee, there's something on that vamp. Like, there's something that happens when mm-hmm. you get to that part. Right? Mm-hmm. Don't listen to it while you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, so he said, so we just need to figure out what the first half of the song is. Yeah. And so he didn't jump on the piano and start playing stuff. He said, all right, let's pray. And we just walked around the studio for like 30 minutes, just walking and praying, asking God to open up the heavens and download the rest of the song to us. Wow. I mean, before we even started working on the record, that's the first thing I did was fly to L.A. And as soon as we got up, before we even started talking about what songs were going to be, but we just started, we said, let's pray. We prayed for like over an hour. That process of kind of getting out of your own idea, your own self, your own, and just having that space where you acknowledge God, we need you. You are the one that has all the songs. You've got all the manuscripts. You've Mm -hmm. got the screenplay. It's all up there. So 
we're just asking you to download it spirit to spirit mm-hmm. and then we'll we'll birth it here in the earth yeah that's what that process is and so we did that and that's how that's how all of me came to be and you can feel it when you listen to it yeah you can't can. you it, especially that the the vamp like you said the second that you're just like oh wait I was on the <laughs> that vamp I was on the floor in my prayer room yeah. I was singing that to God because I was wrestling with him yeah with my insecurities yeah. about doing this record and I didn't want to do it so I was praying and I was like oh god I'm going to have to surrender I'm going to have to I can't say you're the Lord of my life uh, and just say you're the Lord of everything else except this. Because yeah. now you act, you stepped outside your boundaries. Yeah, I got this part. I got this. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I had to surrender it all. And that's when I began to sing, I give you all of me. Yeah. All of me. You know, I've, I experienced that one other time. Not one other time. I mean, you've led worship so many times. I've been on the floor because of you. So much mascara. <laughs> <laughs> I so highly much. recommend, <laughs> although they say waterproof mascara right. is maybe not be as good, but I definitely I need don't. to wear it. When yeah. I, but when <laughs> you sing Oh Holy Night. Oh, wow. Mm. When you sing Oh Holy Night for, for the for the Christmas service, and now it's, it's become almost a tradition, you singing Isn't it. Isn't that crazy? That is a Christmas carol. Well, at least I saw it as such. Yeah. Walking into, like, oh, that's a jingle bells. Oh, holy <laughs> night. You know. Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer, you know. And then, but when you sing it, it's like, I'm about to have worship moment. And you know what? On when a I, Christmas carol. When I, I, <laughs> and when I sing it, I feel the same thing. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what. And it just, for me, oh, holy night. It's just more than a Christmas carol mm-hmm. and more than just something you sing around the fireplace. Yeah. You know, with hot cocoa. Yeah. And more than just something you sing as you go door to door, you know, in the snow, Christmas caroling. For me, it's an anthem. Yeah. About the night the Savior of the world was brought into this sphere of living yeah forever changing the destiny of mankind from that moment on so for me that christmas carols always felt like worship to me Mm -hmm. and i had to be honest with you the first time that peter asked me to sing it and they and and i heard it and i was like the lady on there she's singing it really nice and everything but i just i think i felt instantly that I couldn't do it like her mm-hmm. and I don't know if this goes back to my upbringing but there was something in me that felt very much like you've got your own interpretation of this mm-hmm. song and what the other lady did was great but if I tried to mimic her it wouldn't have turned out the same way right so I had to consecrate <laughs> and kind of do that thing I was talking about earlier saying God I've got to sing this Christmas carol, Oh Holy Night. But I'm asking you to breathe on it. Yeah. I'm setting myself apart for you to use me to breathe on this, to take this natural Christmas carol and put your super on top of it. I want it to feel supernatural, like a supernatural experience. And every time I sing it, he it seems like he does that. Yeah. 
it it really it's really easy especially around that time to be thinking about all the other things and even kind of the surface of that the christmas story that just really brought it into our minds in a way that i never i mean i wanted to read the lyrics i wanted to really get into it because i never really paid attention and you helped us pay attention so wow yeah i yeah (laughs) thank you yeah it's people stop me all the time year round yeah about that song isn't that funny i know it's just a normal sunday in july but can you sing can you sing a holy night (laughs) we have christmas in july (laughs) right i don't know what it is yeah and i think the the i think the church has that on the YouTube channel. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to put it's a link on YouTube that. somewhere. Yeah. I'm not mad at you if you pause right now. <laughs> go listen to it and then come back. Oh god. It's okay. I I'm not going to be mad at you guys. Well, I've been <laughs> I've been mulling it over. It's like I need to go ahead and just record it because people ask me all the yeah. time. They ask me all the time. And you know, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Bonus track. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of those things where for me as a as a creative arts person I just live for the moment the room shifts. Yeah. It's just that simple with me. Yeah. For me just singing is boring. Just to sing. Yeah. It's boring to me. I mean it's fun. Don't get me wrong. But I've experienced the otherworldliness of what can happen when you sing and and everything around you just shifts. It's almost like you're transported into a different dimension. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah. And so, like, earlier when you were talking about that fear of being found out, you know, like, if you think that they're going to find out that it's, that I'm not all, that all of this out here is portraying me to be. It is kind of like that because I feel like Clark Kent and Superman, you know, like Linda Carter and Wonder Woman because me alone, Linda Carter in my dream. She's one of the most beautiful actresses that ever lived. And forgive me, I don't know what the new Wonder Woman actress's name is. Oh, um, Gal Gadot. Yes. Mm -hmm. So she's beautiful as well. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, you're... The, un- the non-Wonder Woman version of yourself, you know, just preparing and being and living your life. But as soon as I start to sing, I feel like I turn into Wonder Woman. Like, you know, going from Clark Kent to, to Superman, Superman while I'm actually singing. And oh. then after it's over, I go back to being Clark Kent. I go back to being, you know, Linda Carter, just the normal other person. And that's part one of our show. Uh, as always, we want to give a special thanks to our guest, Deidre. You'll hear more from her on Thursday with part two. Another special thanks to Relevant Beats for providing the music. And also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Create Faith Co. You can review us on iTunes now, and we're on Stitcher. And of course, you can always find the newest episodes on SoundCloud. Thank you so much for listening, and see ya.